This is e-commerce FM, the e-commerce SEO podcast with Rob Carey and Matt Young. So welcome back to e-commerce FM. My name is Matt Young, one of your co-hosts, and uh, this gentleman here is the brains behind the organization. This is Rob Carey. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. It's a very exciting show, actually, with our first special guest. Yeah. Can we also welcome uh, our special guest, Miriam Lahage? Hello, Miriam. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's very exciting. Now, let's just give you a little bit of background about Miriam, why uh, why we've asked her to uh, to come on the podcast. Miriam is the former CEO of the lingerie website, figleaves.com. Uh, Miriam's also held senior roles at eBay, Net-A-Porter, and TJ Maxx, which is TK Maxx here in the UK. Uh, before that, uh, been involved in e-commerce since the beginning of the early 2000s. So Miriam, for us, you are a dream guest. Oh, thank you so much. I don't know if I can live up to that, but happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot has changed in the world of e-commerce. What would you say is the biggest change in how people shop online? Well, certainly when I think about it from a fashion perspective, um, once the conventional wisdom was that people wouldn't buy fashion online because you couldn't touch the merchandise. Um, now the irony is that you can't touch the merchandise in the store right now. Um, one barrier was that the online experience produced friction. Everyone needed to learn how to shop. And that has certainly changed. People have found the place that they want to get their evergreen products online. Customers now open to discovery. Much like browsing the shop, she's open to discovery. In the past, the browsing happened inside their consideration set of a few shops online or offline. But now it's often likely to happen that they'll visit a new shop from Instagram or TikTok, discovery of new brands and new business models like thread.com, where you can have a stylist pick the merchandise that's sent to your door. I think it's opened the world up to customers. Do you think it's uh, easier or harder now to launch a new e-commerce business these days, Miriam? There's more competition than there was before. Uh, but back then, there were bigger tech barriers. You really needed to have technical chops in order to make sure you were doing the right thing. Now, the, the tech is much easier, um, but there's greater competition. With tools like Shopify, WooCommerce, Magento even, plugins for absolutely every need that you have, tech has gotten much, much easier. You can punch above your weight with intuitive no-code tools. Um, E-commerce tech is really no longer a barrier starting out. It used to be, we would say when you launched, congratulations, now the hard work starts. Trading is much harder now. And I would say that in the past, without as much competition, trading was a bit easier. Today, if you're in a niche business with a clear customer value proposition, you can thrive. I think of Wild Swans, which sells Danish designers curated well here in London. They can thrive and they're selling across the world. But if you're an also-ran shop that offers what everyone else sells, you can't compete for market share and it's very difficult to trade online. You've been involved in some of the biggest names in online fashion. And how has the internet and buying online changed the fashion industry as a whole? One of the companies that I worked with, Netaporte, really defined bringing editorial content into the shopping experience. And that was a fundamental change for e-commerce and a fundamental change for fashion in general. 
Designer collaborations, which we pioneered while I was at eBay, democratized fashion, bringing pieces with considered design to a broader group of people. People forget, but it used to be that the catwalk happened, and then a year later, um, everyone would be able to buy the knockoffs of that merchandise. Now, everyone can watch the runway shows, not just the elite few. The fashion moves from the runway to the street much faster than it used to. I guess the other piece would be the internationalization of brands. At Net-a-Porter, a decade ago, we would have more inbound searches for Diane von Furstenberg, a U.S. brand in the U.K., and more inbound searches for Alexander McQueen, a U.K. brand in the U.S. Now, the borders are porous and fashion brands can lean into the natural custom demand wherever it originates. What are the e-commerce brands that you really respect? Are there any new brands that excite you or new innovations in e-commerce that really impress you? I've been impressed with smaller brands that have found a great niche and clothing just based up in up north. Um, it's a menswear brand. They carry the major brands, but they carry a curation of special collections from those brands. I love sneaker stuff. It was started by Swedish sneaker heads. Um, Beautiful shop, offline and online. They carry upcoming releases. There are raffles to buy things that are in new collections. They capture the excitement of the sneakerheads, those those real serious sneaker fans queuing up outside the shop. The e-commerce brings that brand to life. And then I guess I like the circular economy model. I think of ThreadUp, which is from the U.S., um, started in Cambridge from Harvard Business School, um, grads and it moved to San Francisco. They've redefined the used clothing market in the U.S. and that has gained traction all over the world. The circular economy model is one that, along with off-price, I think can thrive online. So you've touched a little bit on the high street there, or of course for our U.S. listeners, the main street. Uh, it was already struggling before the pandemic. And so what are the chances of survival now? And you know, will there be any need for shopping malls or high street shops in, say, five or ten years' time, Miriam? I don't think anyone would argue with me that the U.S. and the U.K. are overstored. We have far too many stores and far too much merchandise, and where will it all go? Um, and a time like this just proves that. The reduction in number of customers allowed into stores makes the unit economics of stores unsustainable at high rents. Um, I believe there's an opportunity to do some data-led analysis of shops within a radius of customers' homes, and that that should drive store portfolio decisions. Local Main Street or High Street will be the future rather than big, expensive flagship stores with limited stock and full selection online. E-commerce will be the growth as we right-size the store portfolios. It's a very different way to think about our store portfolio for the future. Miriam, this podcast has a heavy focus on SEO for e-commerce, how important was SEO to each of the brands that you've worked with? And was it seen as an important marketing and revenue channel, or is it often undervalued or underfunded? Consistently, SEO has always been underappreciated and almost always underfunded. Um, and I think it's because the lead time to see results from SEO is probably why we don't pay enough attention to it. It's a slow build. It really is like watching paint dry. Plus, it feels like sorcery to most of the business. 
So finding ways for people to understand why it matters is key. Every pound we spend in getting on a good SEO path right now means that we don't have to spend 10 pounds trying to attract a customer with PPC over and over and over. I believe SEO needs an owner in a business and then supporting roles from technology, content creation, and marketing because all of them have a part to play. I myself have been lucky to work with brilliant SEO experts over the years. Um, and you know that they're SEO experts because they're the first ones to say that they're not experts. <laughs> but if you get interested in SEO and you're looking for SEO help, do your due diligence. Follow them on Twitter. Get recommendations from a few people you respect. It really is still the Wild West. Watch out for the self-identified SEO gurus. Um, there are people out there who will shamelessly take the real SEO experts' work and pass it off it as their own. Um, I'm happy to share with anyone who wants to talk to me about what that Wild West is like. I, I think it's music to our ears, Miriam, definitely. Uh, Miriam, if you started a new online fashion retailer this year, how important then would SEO be before the launch and what percentage of your marketing budget would you spend on it post-launch? I would start with the fundamentals, understanding who your customer is and understanding what's important to them and where they congregate online can help in terms of content. Doing the work on content creation should be in service of SEO, so it really is a holistic approach. Set up your stall so that you're positioned with good tools and getting good advice is key. Recognize that it's better to launch correctly and take the time needed to think about structure pre-launch rather than rushing into something and then having to redo the structure. If you can leverage your SEO spend to drive at least half your overall revenue from organic search, your unit economics get infinitely easier. So rather than think of the spend as a percent of total, which I actually don't do, I would think of the goal. Train for the marathon, put in the miles early, and it will more than pay off later. Do you think that Google's growing too big for its boots and too important? And how can people compete with them as a sort of search engine? Would anyone want to use a different search engine even? I'm old enough to remember seeing Google for the first time. Um, the co-founder of Instagram, Kevin Systrom, his dad, Doug, showed me Google 20 years ago. Um, I wanted, I, I said, okay, this looks great, but how are they going to make money? I didn't realize they would have so much of my money in the end. Um, <laughs> they are probably too big. And you know what? One product is probably not right for everyone. In the marketplace of ideas, there's a business model for another strong player that meets the needs of many who are not thrilled with using Google. You know, also, I support Contract for the Web. Tim Berners-Lee's initiative to hold governments, companies, and citizens accountable. The privacy guidelines are worthwhile to explore, and I think about Google when I look at that. So do you ever get weirded out by how e-commerce websites, particularly in retail, tend to follow you around the internet? So, for example, you know, one visit to ASOS or Net-A-Porter, and then every advert you see on Facebook and news websites seems to be pushing that item that you looked at once. The choices I make online and offline lead to outcomes. If every time I go to a shop, I buy black shoes, which I do, I would hope that they would show me the newest black shoes when I visit again. Shouldn't it be the same online? 
So where is the line, I guess, when it's not relevant? I do get annoyed when I've made a one-off purchase and that follows me around. I bought the washing machine from you. Why are you trying to sell it to me again? You see it so often, don't you? It's it's crazy. Uh, so uh, just to kind of uh, st- sort of head towards wrapping up everything, uh, you, you stepped away from the world of e-commerce fairly recently to launch a brand new startup. Can you tell us a little bit about it, please, Miriam? Sure. Equip um, helps increase innovation in businesses by reducing organizational friction and ensuring that every voice is included by design. We do this using behavioral science and data science with an anonymous double feedback loop. On a similar subject, do you think that some of the larger e-commerce brands are starting to feel growing pains as businesses? You know, they're not startups anymore and the honeymoon period is over. You know, sort of what's next for their workforce and, you know, how does AQIP help them as well? E-commerce growth was fueled by venture capital. You fund customer acquisition at a loss. You basically buy that business. We've seen a shift recently to an operational mindset, refining the unit economics to drive a path to profitability. It takes a different mindset and different skills, and definitely Equip can help with that. It definitely sounds like you've gone down a a new path. Would anything bring you back to online retail? Uh, I do believe that you're still a board member of LuxFix, actually. I still advise a few e-commerce brands. I still shop stores. I follow trade. Once a retailer, always a retailer. So I've had three discussions this week on how to help companies grow their brands. So you're still very much involved there. And I guess that's never going to really go away, I guess. Definitely not. Miriam, listen, I'd just like to say thank you very much for being on uh, e-commerce FM today. It's been a a great pleasure to tap your uh, brain and get that knowledge from you. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Matt. Love being on the show. Thank you so much. This is e-commerce FM the e-commerce SEO podcast with Rob Carey and Matt Young.